summers with my granddad, and my granddad uh, preached just a very short message on Sunday night. And one night, uh, Mrs. Schaefer said, I don't even know if that was worth taking a bath for. <laughs> and, and so it's pretty short. But James, and, and we're going to look at James, and then we're going to hear from Paul tonight, but we're going to talk about how God grows spiritual maturity in his children, how he grows spiritual maturity in his children. Now, we all understand that salvation is a gift from God. And we also understand that maturity is a gift from God in the sense that we don't deserve maturity. But maturity does come to us as a gift according to our response to God. In other words, He gifts us with salvation, but He grows spiritual maturity in us. He grows spiritual maturity in us through testing and trials and difficulties and the challenges that come to our life. That's why it's important. Listen, that's why it's important that we stay in church. It's because in church you hear the preaching of what God expects, but you also have the occasion to practice what you hear. In church, you hear about being long-suffering, but in church, you get to practice long-suffering, don't you? That's why it's important for that we stay in church because we'll, I promise you, if you stay in church, by and by, and it won't be long, you'll be offended, and you'll get to practice long-suffering, before you get out in the world where we're supposed to have that accomplished in our lives. You, you understand, uh, the church is the lab. Church is where you hear the truth, but then you get the practicals of it. You get to practice what you hear. And I just promise you in church that you'll get, you'll get offended. You'll get your feelings hurt. You'll get, somebody will be insensitive to you. Somebody will step on your toes. Somebody will slight you. And, in, and that's a lab, if you will, for us to put to practice what we learn in, in the Word of God. And so, how does God grow us? Well, it says in James 1 and verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. He, he, he's going to give you some assurances here. The trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, upbraideth not and it shall be given unto him. Now he tells us in verse 5 that we're to ask for wisdom, and he says, I'm going to give it to you. But then he tells us in the preceding verses how that wisdom's going to come. And how was it going to come? In diverse temptations, trials, and testing. The wisdom that we want from God doesn't just come by us getting on our knees and saying, Make, uh, give me wisdom, give me spiritual maturity, and there it comes. No, no. We ask for it, but then he gives us the occasion to experience uh, and, and a, a conflict, if you will, or a challenge, if you will, or a circumstances, if you will, so that then we can experience Him proving Himself to us. And when He proves Himself to us in a challenge, what happens to us? 
we grow in faith in Him, right? We grow in faith in Him. We come to understand that He's reliable. We come to understand that His way is best. Somebody steps on our toes, we practice long-suffering because we heard we were supposed to, and then you find that He brings about the right results from that, and you grow, and you say, well, I guess it is better to be long-suffering. You get the occasion where you could uh, cut somebody off because they were uh, not sensitive to you, and yet you practice love and forgiveness because you heard you were supposed to do that, and God comes along and blesses you for it and, and shows His work in that capacity. And then you, become to, you come to understand that, no, I guess you really do. Uh, you grow. You, you really are faithful, and you grow as He gives you the occasion. Now, He gives us, the, he gives us some assurances here. There's the assurance that you're going to experience testing. Verse 2, there's the assurance that there's a purpose in it. Verse 3, the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then there's the assurance that God's going to prove His faithfulness to you. He's going to give you wisdom in that. So how should you respond then? This is how He's going to do it. You ask for wisdom. You as His child want to grow and be pleasing to Him. How's it going to come? He's going to allow you to experience a trial. He's going to allow you to experience a test. He's going to allow you to experience a temptation. So you can trust Him, so you can look to Him, and so you can rely upon Him, and then He from heaven will prove Himself faithful, and you will mature. That's how it works. So what, what, what should our response be when we experience a challenge or a test or a trial? Well, He says in verse 2 that we're to celebrate when we experience a trial. He says, count it all joy. Celebrate. You say, well, it hurt. How can I celebrate pain? Celebrate pain because you know it is an opportunity for the Lord to prove Himself to you. A difficulty comes into your life. There's a problem in your home. There's a difficulty in your finances. There's a health situation. There's a marriage situation. Celebrate not the happening of it, but celebrate that God, this is an opportunity for God to grow you. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is, what, this is how God grows us. He allows challenges. He allows offenses. He allows insensitivity. He allows occasion where we can practice forgiveness. And if we celebrate those, not the happening of them so much, but the opportunity of them, then he's going to work. And he says there, he gives the assurance then. Uh, he, says, he says, celebrate them in verse 2. And then he calls us to be confident, knowing, confident that, that there's a purpose in this. Uh, you know, some things happen in our lives and it's like, I don't understand why this happened, but I don't have to understand why it happened. I just have to have confidence in him. One of my favorite choir specials is uh, Bend the Knee. When I, don't un when I can't see the purpose of His hand, I can understand His heart. I can understand that he's, that he's working and has a purpose. I can understand that He's trying to accomplish something. So He says, count it all joy. Then He says, know this, that it's going to work patience. And then we can look to Him in faith. In verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So the child of God, here it is, minding his own business, in his own imperfect way, enjoying his life, seemingly from nowhere he's confronted with a challenge and his world is rocked and he is shaken. 
He doesn't get angry and go into a tailspin. He doesn't kick dirt. But he doesn't know what to do. But he's heard that if you'll ask God for wisdom, God will give it to you. So he asks God for wisdom and he celebrates the opportunity. He's not mad at God. He's not offended at God. But he looks to God and says, Father, I need wisdom in this. I know you're going to use this and I need wisdom. And then God does come to his aid. And then he says to himself, you know, next time this happens, I'm going to know what to do. I'm just going to trust God. Well, see, he's grown spiritually. And by and by... That doesn't happen again. But something greater happens. And he doesn't know what to do, but he doesn't go into a tailspin. He doesn't kick dirt at God. He, he says, well, I know what God can do and what he did over here, so maybe he can do the same thing here. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to have confidence in him. I'm going to call upon him. And by and by, God comes to his aid, and he shows himself faithful and reliable, and we grow spiritually. That's how this happens. That's how the Lord does that. Here's what uh, John Newton said about this. Listen very carefully, and I'll read this slowly because it's deep. I think it's deep. God loves to give His children the gift of full assurance of faith. It is a precious thing, a source of deep peace and consolation, and He wants us to have it. But like most things in the Christian life, assurance is something that is cultivated and grows deeper and stronger over time. It is a gift that God gives to us gradually through frequent testing. Assurance grows by repeated conflict, by a repeated experience, experimental proof of the Lord's power and goodness. When we have been brought very low and then helped, wounded and then healed, cast down and then raised again, have given up all hope and then been suddenly snatched from danger and placed in safely, safety. And when these things have been repeated to us and in us a thousand times over, we begin to learn to trust the Word and power of God. That's how it happens. That's how He brings that to us. And so James said, look, Here's when you have trials, he said, celebrate it, the opportunity, know that there and have confidence that there is a purpose, and then call upon the Lord. Now look with me at Romans 5, just quickly. Because in Romans 5, you hear Paul, and he says basically the exact same thing. In Romans 5, in verse 1 and 5, Paul wrote, he's writing to these Romans and Roman saints. And he says in, in Romans 5, verse uh, 1 through 5, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoicing is just another way of saying celebrate. He says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. He's just saying, look, when you, when you have the conflict, when you experience the challenge, when you experience the difficulty, here's how you respond. You rejoice or celebrate and you have confidence that God has a purpose and is working. And then he goes on to say, And hope maketh not ashamed, 
because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. See, we celebrate in suffering and we have confidence in His purpose and He gives us hope that is not ashamed. He gives us the assurance and so we grow in Him. Now, why does God do it this way? Just briefly. Why does God do it this way? I don't like Him doing it that way too much. In my flesh, I don't. I'd like to be strong, but I don't want to go to the gym. Do you? I had a la the lady that I, that I uh, helped bury about uh, two weeks ago. She, 99, 99 years old. I'd been her pastor for a long time. And uh, she was, they had her in the rest home and they had do, uh, taken her to physical therapy. And she told the physical therapist, she said, I didn't, I didn't like exercising when I was 15. What makes you think I want to exercise when I'm 99? <laughs> but I want to be slim and trim and strong, but I don't want to go to the gym. And I think that's the way we are is in, in the Lord. We want to be spiritually mature, but we don't want to experience spiritual maturity the way that God says that it's necessary. And yet he, and that is his, his plan. So why is it that way? Let me give you two thoughts. Number one, until we are confronted and shown through tribulation and testing, we tend to think we're smarter and stronger than we really are. I can look in the mirror and say, you are spiritually mature. But then I get a challenge, and my response to that challenge shows me that I'm not as spiritually mature as I thought I was. Remember Peter? And the other disciples, they're a good demonstration of how we sometimes think we're, we're more mature than we are. Remember the Lord told Peter and the disciples, He said, Look, you're all going to be offended at me. Every one of you are going to be offended at me. Peter said, Not me. Not me. These other knuckleheads they might be, but I won't be. And, and the Bible says, So said they all. Every one of them said, And the Lord said, No. Pretty well before the cock crows, you're going to have denied me three times. And remember what Peter said? Peter said, I don't care if they kill me. I'm not denying you. But you know the story. So he wasn't as mature as he thought until he experienced the challenge and he understood that he wasn't as spiritually strong as he thought he was. Let me give you another reason. Not only do we know how weak we are through the tempting and the testing, but it's through testing and trials that we are persuaded of the faithfulness of the Lord. The true faithfulness of the Lord. Remember what Paul said over in 2 Timothy? He says, uh, uh, we'll just read it actually. It won't hurt us to go there. We've got plenty of time. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 through 12. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, 
but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And then look at verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul's persuasion to the point of not being ashamed was the result of many toils and many trials and many testings and the Lord proving himself faithful in every one of them. Every one of them. Did you know the Lord's never had a casualty? He has never had to register on the books in heaven, you know, I let one fall through the cracks today. Oh, I failed one today. I just I I was occupied on the east side of the world and I dropped one on the west side of the world. Just not going to happen. And we grow in confidence in the Lord and spiritual maturity as we experience the testing, experience the trial, experience the disappointment, and see Him over time be faithful in every situation. Again, John Newton said, In mercy, God has frequently stirred up my nest, shaken me in it, and forced me to fly to Him when I should otherwise have dropped into sleep and false security. It's our task to respond to the difficulties and the offenses and the injuries and the tragedies that come into our lives with celebration and confidence in the Lord that He has a purpose and on our knees calling to Him. And in every occasion, I promise you, He'll show Himself faithful. I can tell you about a gentleman, and I'll close with just a couple of... of, uh, of, uh, personal stories of, that I've experienced in, in pastor. And I can tell you about a couple that my wife and I love. They were in the church when we came to, to Amarillo 34 years ago. And, and uh, uh, Clayton and uh, Donna Fortenberry. And uh, they were, they were in, the, in the church and they were faithful. And uh, I don't know how many years into the pastorate there, I got a call from Clayton and said, uh, Brother Bigham said, our daughter, and she was in her late 30s, our daughter uh, died suddenly, and uh, would you do the service for her? And she wasn't a member of the church, but I've never turned down a funeral because it gave me the opportunity to preach and represent the Lord. And I said, I will. And so I preached uh, Deborah's uh, service. About two weeks later, uh, Deborah's daughter, couldn't de- a young lady in her 20s, couldn't deal with her mother's death and took her life. So Brother Clayton called and said, Brother Bigham said, my, uh, my granddaughter took her life, and could you do her service? And I said, I will. I sure will. And he said, and also my Deborah's other daughter's in the hospital now giving birth to a child, and we don't know how to tell her that her sister took her life. Could you go do that? Would you do that? And I said, I will. So in that Fortenberry family, in just a very short amount of time, we had three funerals for his daughter, for his granddaughter, and for a great-grandchild that was stillborn. 
We got to saying things at the cemetery because we were there three different times. We got to saying things like, you know, we're going to have to stop meeting like this and just things like that, trying to lighten up the mood a little bit. But about, oh, probably a month after that, I got a phone call from a police officer. He said, are you Reverend Bigham? I said, I am. He said, could you come over to Mr. Fortenberry's address? said, uh, his wife just passed away. And, uh, and, and Donna Fortenberry had gotten up to make breakfast and walked across the bedroom floor and just had a heart attack and killed over dead. Now you say, well, why would you tell us that? I want to tell you that because on a Sunday morning following those four services, four funerals in the same family in a very short period of time, one Sunday morning just to my right over here in our auditorium, I glanced over there and we're singing that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness. All I have needed, Thy hand has provided. And there's Clayton Fortenberry standing by himself. Used to be his wife there. Used to have a daughter. Used to have a granddaughter. Used to have a great-granddaughter. And he's standing there saying to God, All I've needed, You've provided. How do you get there? How do you grow to that kind of spiritual maturity? You go through these things, and in every one of them, God gives you grace, and God gives you strength, and God proves Himself faithful. And in that doing of that, we grow spiritually so that we, when we go out into the world, can show the true testimony of our Lord that He's faithful on every occasion, and, he's, and He stands by us in every situation. I can tell you that right shortly after we came to, to uh, the church there in Amarillo, our treasurer was named Bill Goodenough. And, and one day they came and said, uh, Brother Bigham, Bill's got cancer and, and there's nothing they can do. It's already spread too far. And his wife's name was Linda. And, and uh, she became a church secretary. And she, we, we went through the, the loss of Bill uh, with Linda and then several years later she married another man in the church and just a couple of years ago uh, Dwight her second husband passed away uh, at the age of 90 something and she said after the passing of Dwight she said you know I thought the loss of Bill was going to kill me but I knew when Dwight passed away I'd be okay because God proved to me in the first loss that he's sufficient I'm just telling you I'm just telling you today that that's how God grows us in difficulties. Don't get mad at God. Don't get mad and get out of church because that's the setting that you need to stay in. And God's trying to grow a testimony in you so that out before the world you can represent Christ truly. That he never, he's never lost a one of his children salvation-wise, nor has he ever disappointed one of his children or failed to strengthen one of his children who would celebrate his the opportunity and who would be confident there was a purpose and who would get on their knees in, in the trial and call upon him he'll give you that wisdom but he's going to give it to you through a trial and through a testing and through a challenge would you stand with me uh, father tonight as we come before you we we are needy 